welcome to the Holly Springs Deep Dive Podcast. It's election season, and this series of episodes is dedicated to helping you make a well-informed decision when you cast your ballot. This week, I'm releasing interviews with candidates for the North Carolina House District 36 seat. The incumbent is Julie Von Hafen, and the challenger is John Harris. The show notes for each candidate's episode include all of their campaign pages, as well as links to their campaign finance reports. Links to check your registration status, find out where your polling place is, and view your sample ballot are included as well. Early voting starts on Thursday, October 20th through Saturday, November 5th. The Hunt Center in Holly Springs is one of the early voting locations. This episode is brought to you with the help of my Patreon supporters. Thank you. If you'd like to join the group of citizens who appreciate the type of information I provide, click the Patreon link on my website, hollyspringsdeepdive.com. This podcast is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. In this episode, you'll hear from Representative Julie Von Hafen. Let's dive in. I have the pleasure tonight to be talking to North Carolina Representative Julie Von Hafen. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. I should I should probably call you Representative Von Hafen. Which would you rather? Julie is fine. It's a lot easier to say. My last name is always tricky, so it's fine. Okay. Well, I'm so thankful that you um, came on the program to talk about um, your running for re-election and this election cycle. So thank you for that. Um, I am newly in your district. I didn't realize until, I don't know, three, two or three months ago that the redrawn lines affected my neighborhood. So since you are the incumbent representative, this has got to be a big change for you because your whole area changed. That's right. I mean, I'm actually running, you know, for my third term and every year that I've run or every um, cycle that I've run, my district has been different. So actually, this is not any different than has happened to me before um, because of gerrymandering and all the redistricting lawsuits that have happened. Uh, my district was different in 2018, 2020, and now again in 2022. So I guess my campaign team is pretty used to this by now that I've had to yes. kind of reintroduce myself to voters every time. I will say, that this year is the most drastic change, and that was just because of the census. Um, Wake County gained two new house seats this year because mm-hmm. our population has grown so much. And so we had to fit in, you know, those two new house seats within the confines of Wake County. And that's why everybody's district changed a lot. Um, so a lot of my old district is now um, represented or is going to be represented by uh, Allison Dahl, who's running unopposed. Um, but she used to represent mostly um, Carrie and Raleigh. And now her district has moved very much south, you know, into some of my old area. And then my district used to go from Apex all the way to the Johnston County line. It was very skinny and long and went kind of along Lake Wheeler and 1010 Road. And now it's completely flipped and it goes Apex West to the Chatham County line. So, um, but I'm really happy about the difference uh, this year, honestly, because I live in Apex. Um, no offense to my Holly Springs constituents, but mm-hmm. I've lived in Apex for 17 years. And I'm really excited because my new district covers all of Apex and New Hill. And so that that's where I live. And so I'm just excited to be able to represent more of my the town where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to urge people to look on the wakegov.com um, website to look up your sample ballot, because I was speaking to one of my good friends the other day, and she didn't realize she was in your district either. Uh, yeah. She was um, trying to figure out who to vote for, um, you know, who was on the ballot. 
And I said, well, look at your ballot and make sure you're in the same district. Because before um, we were in uh, Sydney Batch's district mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, then um, Aaron Paré got that spot uh, in the last election season. So we've been in that for the, as long as I've lived here, I think. And, um, you know, all of a sudden we are in District 36 now instead of 37. Yeah, so exactly. um, I asked her to look and she looked and she was like, oh, my goodness, no wonder I haven't seen any signs for so-and-so <laughs> because I don't live in that district anymore. So I would encourage listeners to check to see um who you get to vote for because it, there's a decent chance that it's, it's not the same as it was before. And can I give a little, a quick tip sure. on that? That sure. I, the, the North Carolina um, voter, reg, the state board of elections website, you can look up your voter registration there, which is a good idea in order to like, mm-hmm. see if you're registered and everything's good for this upcoming election. But it is kind of confusing because when you go on that website, it says basically who will be on your ballot, but, that confuses people because you might not be represented by that person now. So I always refer people actually to the General Assembly website, which is okay. ncledge.gov. And I'll on put the that homepage, in the show notes. I'll put yeah, that in the show notes then. On the homepage of the General Assembly website, it says find your legislators. And then if you go in there and you type in your address, it will actually tell you who represents you now and who you will be voting for in November. So that kind of helps people understand, oh, yeah, I was in 37. Now I'm in 36. And it just kind of and it also has a lot of good maps and it will tell you your state Senate uh districts, your state house, your congressional, which has also changed for Holly Springs. So um, there's a lot of changes. And it's just important, like you said, to know um, who will be on your ballot this year. Yeah, you don't want to be surprised when you walk in and, uh, you know, get your ballot and have to go fill it out. And, you know, it would be a bummer to have done all of your research and figured out who you were going to vote for and then find out that the people you wanted to vote for aren't even on the ballot. So exactly. So tell me, um, what do you think to you are the most important issues coming up in the next term? Yeah, I mean, I always just focus on the things that I work on in the General Assembly. I think there's many, many issues that are important to people. But, you know, I've learned in my two terms there that you really have to focus on issues that are, one, important to you, two, are important to your constituents, and three, you have some, you know, knowledge and policy base in. And so for me, that's education, because that's really where I came from, and that's why I ran for office in 2018. Um, I'm my policy work in the General Assembly very much focuses on public education and doing everything that we can to fully fund it, to strengthen it, to make sure that our kids are getting, you know, the the very best education that they can get and that our teachers are getting paid and getting respected as the professionals that they are. And I think as I'm out talking to voters, that is something that everyone always asks me about. We live in a very suburban area, very fast growing. We have a lot of young families. We have tons of kids. I go into neighborhoods canvassing and it's like every single house, you know, has two, three kids, you know, that are in our K-12 school system. And so this is something Mm -hmm. that is very, very top of mind 
for people in District 36. And, you know, I'm lucky in the fact that I've worked in public education for over a decade, both as a, you know, as a PTA leader here in our district, and then now as a substitute teacher. And so I'm really feel like I'm very in tune to what's happening in our schools, to the needs of our, of our children and our teachers. And it's just something that I will continue to be fighting for in the General Assembly because we have so much more work to do um, when it comes to just our public schools and making sure that they're, that they're the very best that they can be for our kids and also for our economy, honestly. I mean, every business that's coming into North Carolina, that's always their number one question is, what are your schools like? Because their employees want to send their kids to really good schools. And so we need to make sure that we're continuing to strengthen them in order to continue to strengthen our economy. Um, I mean, I think the other thing that's very top of mind, obviously, and this is something that's very, very um, important to me as well, is making sure that every person in this state has access to reproductive health care with the Dobbs decision. Um, We need to make sure that we are able to hold the line here in North Carolina. We are one of the only states remaining in the Southeast where abortion is legal. And so we are a beacon at this point, you know, for a lot of people that live around us. And it's so important to me to make sure that North Carolinians and people outside of North Carolina can come into our state to get the health care that they need and um, it is just vital after the Dobbs decision and our Supreme Court took that uh, vital right away from women in this country. And that is honestly something that people talk to me about a lot on the doors as well. I know it's very important to a lot of people. Again, I have a 16-year-old daughter. This is a very personal issue to me that I don't want her to grow up in a state where she's not able to access the care that she needs if she ever needed it. And for her friends, her classmates, you know, everybody that she knows and and people we don't know. We want this to be accessible and affordable to every woman and pregnant person in this state. So that's something else that I will be focusing on and I will continue to do so hopefully after November, Um, I think. And then finally, I'll just mention, you know, we have worked for years and Democrats have continued to pound the drum about expanding Medicaid. We know that like, you know, expanding Medicaid is going to provide health care to hundreds of thousands of people in North Carolina. And it's extremely frustrating that that hasn't been done yet. It will also lower health care costs for everyone, you know, you and I, people who own, you know, or who have private health care insurance, it will lower our health care costs. And it will also protect rural hospitals all over the state that are closing. It is so vital to just to the to the makeup and the 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 healthcare system here in our state to do this. And we will continue to talk about that. Um, and I'll also mention just, sorry, I know that was, I thought I was going to say that's the last <laughs> thing, but I do want to mention one more thing that's very close to my heart is that access to childcare. Again, we are in a very family centric district. And I know that childcare is something that so many of the families that live in Holly Springs are very um, concerned with. The costs are astronomical. The access to it is limited. People have to get on wait lists for, you know, months before their child is even ready to go to a childcare center. And we know that during the pandemic, many of these small businesses were at razor's edge of closing because of, you know, diminished enrollment. Um, our child care teachers and our early education teachers are not getting paid nearly enough. This is just an industry that I think as our state, we need to be supporting more. I filed several bills in the last few years to help 
uh, prop up our childcare system because if we don't have childcare, again, people can't go to work and our economy is going to suffer. So that's another issue that I, I work on a lot and I think is really important to the people in our district. Yeah, early childcare has been um, on people's minds for so long. Um, half a lifetime ago, I worked, uh, I lived in Greensboro and I worked for the Guilford County Partnership for Children, which was the Guilford County administrator of the Smart Start grant. Are you, have you been around uh, North Carolina politics to know about the Smart Start program? Oh, yes. Oh, I've, yes, very much so. I work very closely with Wake County Smart Start. Um, yeah, that, was, that was the mid-90s. So yes. that tells well, Governor you Hunt, Governor Hunt yeah. started that, and that was yeah. his baby. And, yeah. you know, it, we were a beacon, you know, honestly, and across the country when we started Start Smart started smart start and uh, <laughs> it's hard to say um, and so um, and I, I'm really proud of the fact that we've continued it here and Wake County has a great you know has a great system um, in place mm-hmm. but that's not access you know that's not available to every child in North Carolina and so um, again whether it's K-12 or early ed my goal is to make sure that every child has access to the same education, regardless of zip code. And right now, that is not the case in our state. You know, where where you grow up, where you're born, where you live, it has a huge influence on what your outcomes are going to be. And that's not that's not right. We need to fix yeah. that. So you just talked about how proud you are of North Carolina being a beacon um, in the Southeast and, you know, probably nationally, too, for a lot of things we've done. Um, So you're proud of that. What are you most proud of that you have done in your two terms so far? I mean, to me, you know, when I look back at the last four years, I'm really proud of the work that I've done to support the things that I ran on. And even though, honestly, being in the minority party, I haven't been able to pass a lot of legislation that I really am passionate about, which is extremely frustrating because I feel that, you know, I have a lot of good ideas and, you know, I file a lot of bills and I go to Republicans and try to get them to, you know, be on a bill with me or get that bipartisan partisan support. But a lot of times, you know, my bills just go straight to the rules committee, which is basically the committee they go to die. And so (laughs) it's very frustrating, you know, to, um, to not be able to get more done. So I guess I will say that what I'm most proud of is that all the bills that I file are very consistent with the values that I hold and why I ran for office. I mean, especially I filed some really big bills in the last couple of years around the Leandro case. So if your listeners don't know, Leandro is a 25-year-old court case that's been going on um, where five rural districts in our state sued the state and said, you are not providing our children with a sound basic education, which is guaranteed to us under the state constitution. So a few years ago, there was a large... um, study about what we could do in North Carolina to meet these standards. And so uh, something called the Comprehensive Remedial Plan was written. And it said, you know, these are all the things that you have to do, and this is how much money it's going to cost. So we, myself and the legislative staff at the General Assembly, spent many weeks, you know, going over this remedial plan, creating a very comprehensive piece of legislation, you know, to, to introduce to the General Assembly and say, this is what you have to do. You know, this is the appropriation. These are the policy changes that we need to make to comply with our state constitution and the right of every child to have 
a sound basic education in North Carolina. The bill was, you know, probably over 40 pages. It was very comprehensive. It took a long time and a lot of staff work to do. It was summarily put to the Rules Committee and never considered. That is very frustrating because I feel like at least, you know, give me a hearing and a committee where I can present these ideas, where we can have a conversation about it. Um, but that's never done, you know, and it, it, that's very frustrating to me. But I'm still really, really proud of the work that I do. And I'm really, really proud to stand strong for the things that I'm fighting for. And I just try to talk about it a lot, you know, whether it's on social media or in my legislative newsletters or out in the community. I have lots of town halls and and things like that. I have office hours every single month that people can come and talk to me in the district. Um, so, you know, I've made myself very accessible to people, but I will continue to like fight for these things, whether I can get them done or not. I, I just, I'm very proud of the fact that I, I stand strong for them and I, I keep talking about things that are important. So when are your office hours? Yeah, so I vary them every um, every month okay. because I know people sometimes yeah. come during the day or in the evening, and I also vary the location. So if you are not on my legislative newsletter or you don't follow me on social media, you're not going to know when they are. <laughs> so okay. please do one of those two things, and I know you'll put all the links to my social right. media, I think. But you can also um, send a text to 22828. And you text JVH, and I'm sure you could put that in the notes too. Um, I will. And you can get on my legislative newsletter. It comes out twice a month, and then it will tell you when my office hours are for that month. So Okay. So do you have to go to downtown Raleigh to an office, or do you like hang out at a Starbucks or something like that? Yeah, I vary the locations. Usually I'm at a coffee house. I've gone to a Brewprint Brewery there on Kildare Farm and uh, 1010 Road. That's right in the middle of my district. So I just, I go to different places, and but always in the district. I don't want to make mm -hmm. anybody drive downtown Raleigh. There's no reason yeah. for that. So Yeah, parking. It's just too confusing. <laughs> yeah. And one-way streets, I always get, I always have like an anxiety attack around all those one-way streets. I'm so, I'm so worried I'm going to just like be driving and there's going to be cars coming at me in my lane because I went the wrong way. I've seen it happen before. Yeah, me too. And I just, I just am always so scared it's going to be me and I don't want it to be me. <laughs> so you say um, that you are proud that you have stayed true to what to, to your values and the things that you ran saying that you were going to do. Um, have you ever had a time when you talked to a constituent and you changed your mind? I think so. I mean, that's, that's a tough question thinking back. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if it's, it depends on the topic. I mean, if it's right. something, you know, like a social issue, you know, like, you know, abortion or something, I've had many, many very difficult conversations with whether they are constituents or advocates, you know, on the other side of the issue. Um, and I'm honestly, like, I haven't changed my mind because that's a topic that I feel very strongly about. But again, I always pride myself on the fact that I am always willing to listen. I take meetings with pretty much anybody who asks. Um, and I feel that my constituents and people who know me know that I am approachable and that I am willing to always listen. Um, you know, and it, like, I, like you said, if it's something like a social issue, 
I probably am not going to change my mind because that's just something that I'm very um, passionate about. But, you know, if it's another issue, you know, maybe something I wasn't that aware of. I mean, I have learned so much in the last four years about a lot of topics that I had no idea anything about. Um, and that is the one thing I love about being a legislator is that I'm constantly learning about new things. Um, I have learned so much about topics I had no idea anything about, you know, whether it's, I mean, look, even just things that we talk about a lot now, like healthcare or affordable housing, you know, or mental health, like these are all things, you know, I didn't know a lot about, but I've really learned a lot. And I think that, um, I'm always willing to listen. And I'm sure there has been a time that, you know, maybe somebody told me something. I was like, wow, I never even knew that. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for letting me know. Um, yeah. And that's what your legislator should be doing. So, I mean, I I would really hope that anybody would be like that. And I know many of us are um, always willing to meet with people and listen. Well, that's good. It, I mean, at, at the basis, at, at the most, you know, basic point, people like to feel like they've been heard. Absolutely. And considered and, you know, you know, thought about and valued for their opinion. So, um, so it is good that you do that for sure. Let me ask you this. If you had a magic wand and could pass anything you wanted to, what would you do? If you, if you like had, if you had like the gavel for a day, well, I would probably what would you do? I'd probably pass that bill that I mentioned around Leandro because that is just I know that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work, but um honestly if we implemented the Leandro comprehensive plan as it was written and how it's supposed to be, it would make a transformational change in our education system pre-K to higher education in the state. And it would transform so many people's lives that I think that if that is, if I could pass one piece of legislation, that would be it because it would touch so many people in this state, um, you know, from kids to teachers, to nurses, to social workers, to bus drivers, to, you know, people that work in our community college system, to professors in the UNC system, you know, it would touch so many people in the state and it would really, like I said, make a transformational change change that would be felt for years and decades in the future. So that would definitely be the the one piece of legislation I would pass. So what do you think, what is the um, opposition to that? It sounds really good. (laughs) Well, it always comes down to money, right? And so I think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, as they say, when you look at your budget, it, it reflects your values. And unfortunately, the people in charge of our legislature don't value education, you know, as much as as much as other people do. And they have other uh, plans for the billions of dollars that are sitting in our bank account right now. And it's very frustrating because we have the money to fund that plan. We have the money sitting in the bank right now. Um, We have over $6 billion sitting in our rainy day fund that's not being used. And so it's very frustrating that, you know, their values don't reflect you know, mine and other people's who feel that we need to be spending that money to to help our children at this point. Hmm. That must be really frustrating. Yes. Hmm. That is a lot of money. I'll tell you, I have lived in North Carolina my entire life. I was born here and I've never lived anywhere else, even for college. 
Um, and I remember when the lottery was being voted on decades ago, and it sounded like it was going to be the best thing because all of that money was going to be flooding into education. What happened? Well, unfortunately, only about, I think it's only like 30% of those monies actually go to education. And the other thing is that people aren't aware of is that much of that money has been supplanted. So what, you know, that money goes into the general fund, and then they just take monies from other places and move them to other areas. So it's not like an extra 30%. And that's what I I thought it was going to be. And that was probably my own immaturity. And, you know, because it was a long time ago, and I wasn't as jaded as I am now. So I would have probably, (laughs) I would have probably been able to think, you know what, they're just going to put that money in there and take some out. But yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what happened. And, you know, there's also been a, a large diversion of millions and millions of dollars of state funds to private school vouchers, which I adamantly disagree with. Um, you know, I'm fine if you want to send your child to private school. You have every right to do that. And I think it's a parent choice of where they want to send their children. And we're lucky here in Wake County that we have many, many great schools that you can choose to send your child to. You can go to K-12 traditional public. You can go to year-round. You can go to magnet. You can go to charter. You can go to private. I mean, We have a plethora of amazing opportunities for our children, but I don't agree that my taxpayer money should go to helping you pay for that expensive private school. And again, that's where that those that values come down is that instead of, you know, spending five hundred million dollars on our K-12 public schools, which are open to every child in our state, We've taken $500 million and put them toward private school vouchers for a lot of for-profit, you know, corporations and other people who run those schools. And so it's very frustrating to me. But again, that's that's who's in charge, you know, of our legislature right now. And if people don't agree with that, then they need to make a change and vote. So how is this this election and your two prior ones, how do they affect your family? Do they do they, you know, get nervous for you and, you know, get all anxious on election day? Or did they just kind of like, you do it, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to stay above this. How, how does that work in your family? Well, um, when I first ran in 2018, um, my kids were younger, obviously, that was four years ago. And so, um you know, I don't think they were quite as like in tune to like the political part of it. And, you know, they knew that mom got really super busy and was always gone. And, you know, Sydney Batch and I would always joke because when we were elected in 2018, there was only four women in the North Carolina house who had school age children and Sydney and I were two of them. And so, you know, we were kind of in a unique situation. And before we, the four of us were elected, there was none. So we were like the first four, you know, women that were elected to the house that had school aged children. So the four of us became, you know, very close because we, you know, were encountering a lot of the same, um, you know, issues and like the same obstacles and the same challenges. And so um, now that my kids are older, you know, they're very like they're. This is just part of their life now. I mean, they know when it's campaign season, you know, obviously things get a little busier, but the the times when I'm in session, it's almost busier because I'm down at 
downtown Raleigh all the time, sometimes very late at night, you know, so it, it's hard. My kids go to three different schools and they all carpool. So <laughs> my husband and I are constantly, you know, kind of juggling, okay, who's going to take this person here and who's going to take this person here? Luckily, my dad lives in the area, so he helps out sometimes. But, you know, it, it's challenging. But to be honest, you know, my family is very supportive of my work, but I'm not I don't put them in the limelight. They don't want to be like on my campaign, my campaign flyers. Mm -hmm. They don't want to like be on my commercials. They don't really want to do all that. And I respect that. So I just let them live their lives. They let me do my thing. I think they're all very proud of me. My daughter, who's in 10th grade, just ran for student council president. So I was, of course, really excited, you know, for her. Um, so I feel like, you know, I'm doing good things to be a good role model for them, but they don't really want to be involved in the nitty gritty and the day to day of it all. (laughs) Yeah. We had, um, in the last, uh, Holly Springs town council, um, election, there was a candidate who's, I'm going to try to be as oblique as I can. So I don't have to name names, but this candidate's spouse was, like a bulldog on social media um, telling people off who, you know, disagreed with their spouse, you know, the candidate and people were like, what is happening? We know who you are. (laughs) Don't be mean. Don't, but don't be so mean like that in writing. Come on. So yeah, my husband would never do that. He's not even on social media, so he doesn't even, I mean, he doesn't really even see like if I get, you know, criticized or, you know, have negative comments, like he doesn't, he's not even on social media. I have to tell him, oh, look what this person said. And, you know, he just kind of blows it off. And so do I. Yeah. Well, good for you because I don't think that I could do that. I think I'm made of Velcro or something. It just like sticks to me and drives (laughs) me nuts and weighs me down when, when everybody, you know goes after you. <laughs> that just goes back to, you know, like I was saying before, I'm, I'm very like strong in who I am and my values. And so, you know, if people criticize me, that's just because, you know, one, maybe we just don't agree on the issue or two, they just don't know me, yeah. you know, and I feel like, you know, if you know me and you have a criticism, then that's one thing. But, you know, if, if you don't even know me and you're just an anonymous person on Twitter, then yeah. that's not really valid yeah. in my books. So. Yeah. Well, um, since your district has changed, I'm going to have to, uh, after we're finished, I'm going to have to tell you some good places to go hang out for your office hours down here in Holly Springs because we've got a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've been down there more and I've I've been getting to know a lot of the local businesses more. So I'm yeah. excited to have some new areas in my district. Yeah. Um, one of the places I always tell everybody about and they don't pay me, I promise, but I, I pay them because of how much money I spend at their place, Fairwinds. Have you been to Fairwinds? No. It is like a world-class chocolatier. Oh, okay. <laughs> These people are no joke. They have the best chocolate. All right. I'll have to check it and out. And they make, they make Easter bunnies and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I promise they're not paying me, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's a good place to hang out. I'm not positive. It's in your district. It might be right on that line. So we'll have to look at the map and um, I can clue you into some good places to go. Great. Thank you. Well, you did a really good job. So thank you for talking to me tonight. I know it's a school night, so. <laughs> it's all good. My my kids are like middle and high school, so they don't need my help anymore. So yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. All right. But thanks again. I appreciate it, Karen. Take care. You too. 
Thank you so much for listening. Board of Education candidates are up next week. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by me, Karen Shore, with music by Doug Maxwell and Meteorite Productions. Be well, friends. Until next time. (music) 